There's some holes in the house. Oh, we're live. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy and Ben Slowey. And joining me this evening on a uh, hams-soaked night, but in uh, in the other guys' cases, yeah, Miller High Life. Uh, we got some whiskey in the house as well. Um, Sponsored jo- by all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of uh, different juices flowing tonight. But joining me are two guys who uh, are active in the Milwaukee uh, DIY indie scene. Uh, they play in the band Yum Yum Cult together. Um, one of them also plays in the indie rock project Super Tentacles. Um, the other one is in a power pop project called Mouse Corn. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to them about what they do and why they do it. Ooh. So, Sean Anderson, Miles Coyne, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Ben. Hello, I'm Miles. Sean's the other one. He's so handsome. I'm over here. He's. I know me like the Brady Bunch. Is that the same view that you have? Yeah, I had you guys at the top. I I have the yeah. I have the gallery view right now. Make out at the same time. Hmm. If we all meet in the middle, can we make out? No, you're. Well, you have to go straight. Don't you both have wives? (laughs) 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 Yeah, guys. uh, Been looking forward to this one for a while. Miles, how? Miles, how was your day today? fucking awesome i um i went to work and i only work five and a half hours and it's pretty chill i work at a telemarketing gig but my boss is pretty chillax and i said you know what i'm gonna play fleet boxes all fucking day and i did oh the new do you play the new album Played them front to back i'm not really first with the new album but i really like it i want to buy it on cd i like buying albums but i would buy that on cd because i play music really loud in my car so that's the next one i'm gonna buy I went to go buy it on Friday, I but I went to buy it. But I, I was gonna buy it on Friday, but I wound up buying um songs for the death by Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> playing uh, really loud. That's one of my favorite bands. I did I did dig the new Fleet Foxes record. Um I would say it's not, you know, quite up to the caliber of like helplessness blues or their self-titled. Uh, yeah, the first two are still supreme. Oh, Crack- certainly. I think I liked it a lot better than Crack Up though. And yeah. like the yeah. first, the, did you like watch the movie with it? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, so I highly recommend just sitting down and watching the movie and listening to it all the way through with that. <laughs> yeah, I really- they did the movie on tour. That's so cool. And they did like outdoor showings. Very cool. Yep. yep. I will say halfway through my um, uh, my marathon, when I got past the set, the first album and the first EP, I went over to Father John Misty because that is what happened, it happened to me as a Fleet Fox fan. I remember reading... um an article of Father John Misty right when he hit our radar, when he was like, you know, what's that magazine they always give out at Exclusive Company? I can't remember. But uh, he gave a great interview about his life and he talked about like climbing a tree and tripping balls. Doing a bunch of mushrooms and then- Yeah, and I was like, I really like this guy. I want to check this album out. And I remember that record, just like everybody, flooring everyone. I think one of the reasons why that Father John Misty record is so good is it takes the Fleet Foxes thing just like, space odyssey fit you just evolve into the star child of that music and and the lyrics are really relatable anyone can put themselves in that first father john misty record and relate to it like uh talking about you're talking about fear fun yes fear fun thank you i think every song is like a timeless song where it's humorous and anyone can like laugh and put themselves in the situation i love the song uh call me nancy from now on my uh i'm from upper michigan and 
Um, my grandma was Nancy and I remember her death just being like a real bummer to everybody. So I, whenever I hear that song, I'm like, I kind of like these lyrics, you know, like milk and honey flow, just a couple states below. I'm like, dude, that's me. But I mean, anyone can do that. That's why that record's great. It's just good pop music, man. It's oh, fucking, yeah. fucking great album. Hell yeah. Shout out to Father John Misty. Most and then I didn't uh, listen to the rest. I'm not a helpless blues guy, but I did see him play solo on that tour and it was fucking amazing because I didn't know it was him. You saw Father John Misty playing solo or? Uh, both actually. I did. See, okay. First off, I did see Father John Misty and I took Charlie to Turner Hall and Char Charlie, our drummer. Yes. And this is, this is going to make, this is a, this is one of my favorite memories ever. Charlie was like, I don't want to go to the show. I'm like, I have an extra ticket. You're going to be fucking idiot if you don't come to the show. And it was at yeah. Turner. Yeah. And when we left, Charlie was like, that was one of the craziest shows I've ever seen. Thank you for taking me to this. And I just remember just like friendship. Just hell yeah. Great. Killer. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I've been a Fleet Foxes fan since the eighth grade. That was one of my first indie bands. Yep. And uh, I like what you said, Sean. Like, I agree where, like, you know, Crack Up is a fantastic album, but I feel like it's an album that, like, I feel like you have to listen to in full. There's not a yeah, whole lot I've... of songs that you can really listen to on a standalone yeah. that isn't, like, maybe Fool's Errand. But I did what save a the... lot of songs off their new record for, like, you know, personal revisitation. Uh, I want to give the floor to you. How was your day today? It was fun. Um, it was boring. I went to work and uh, this is actually like the, the most different thing I've done in a while to break up the routine. So this is nice. I was texting you a bunch today. Yeah, we were, we were texting a bunch. I was texting him a whole bunch. Oh, um, that's cute. Yeah. I want to make, make a Daft Punk record with him, but I don't know. If that, was <laughs> that was basically what I was saying the whole day. You know the um, you guys know the Animal Collective song "Daily Routine." Oh yes. yes. Oh yeah. Just a second more in my bed. Oh yeah. That's I, that's right. You're a big Animal Collective fan. That's right. Die hard. I am too, Sean. I just bailed before. You, I when we were playing poker, you were like, "Could you please turn off this space shit?" Yeah, because you know, this Animal Collective playing <laughs> poker. I was on fucking James Gandolfini's birthday. We're not gonna listen to Animal Collective. We're gonna listen to fucking Pulp Fiction. I think I think listening to Animal Collective so much growing up and like Dan Deacon and shit has given oh, yeah. me a high tolerance for anxiety-ridden music. Yes. Just, you know, like even if I have anxiety, I can still listen to the craziest shit and just like be very cool. Oh yeah, dude. I mean Strawberry Jam is such an anxiety ridden album. Dude, like that was every song is ridiculously anxious. Yeah. Dude, Cuckoo but... Man. I remember showing that to all my new metal friends. They're like, fuck this band. Dude, like, that song Cuckoo, dude, Cuckoo was the song I listened to um helping my parents move out of my childhood home. And being like, this is this is it. This is my detachment from everything that like I valued as a kid and like <laughs> my child. And that song is so visceral, man. It, it's heartbreaking, but great song. When did you, Ben? When did you get into Animal Collective? Like, what? Where? Where were you in your life? Were you in school? What age were you? What? Um, uh, it was probably when I was eighteen, nineteen. I was um, living with a guy who was really into them. Uh, in my freshman year of college or sophomore year of college and uh, I remember like first listening to Meriwether Post Pavilion and being like I don't my, get this my girls and shit yeah 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 like I didn't get it at first but then I'm like no brother sports catchy I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little deeper to see like what else and then 
as soon as you put as soon as I put strawberry gin on and like heard peace bone, I was hooked. Yeah. Yes, that's a good Dude, one. Dude, you know what? Uh, you know John McCabe? Of course. You know, John McCabe House. Oh, one of my best friends growing up and now. Um he like we like grew up listening to Animal Collective together. They're like my friend group. But yeah. before I got into them, he like specifically warned me. And I remember this, it's because his older brother had a CD of Here Comes the Indian. And which is now renamed, by the way. I yeah, don't know if yep. Ark. Yeah. Uh, Ark, yeah, that's right. And uh, earlier this summer, they wanted to address their like sort of like some of the racially insensitive uh cont- like imagery that was in their music so they also changed they a, the, the cover art to their people ep oh that's cool i get that yeah because i had like a I, I can't, like you a can't argue that oh you yeah, can't yeah. argue that's a nice thing to do you know right yeah you have to be a real asshole to be like how dare they change my favorite album i'd be like dude bro it's just like music and no one's mad about changing anything regarding here comes the end so before i got into them though I specifically remember him being like, don't listen to Animal Collective. I'm like, why? And he had like, a, we were at Calder's and he had a salt and a pepper shaker. He's like, this is their, what their entire album sounds like. And this went like this. <laughs> and like, I was like, wow, okay. And like, just avoided them for like a whole year until um, I think it was Strawberry Jam as well. Yeah. Is it Man, like the one that started getting me? And then Sung Tongs. And then fucking Feels is probably my like I if i had to make top three album of all time Dude, that's, that's their sergeant pepper man that's I their just, best one. i actually just spun uh feels the other night and okay. um i have had grass stuck in my head for like the last month that's a good and one. it's so fucking fun man i like that's just the thing is like yes. animal collective is just so much fun to listen to like i Your can find we're great Oh yeah, they're great live, and they're also like their sets are completely different depending on like what tour they're on. Mm-hmm. Like, because they say my, just like meld all their songs together. Yes, so they like I, kind of jam the transitions on stage. Yeah, I'd say jam. I I, I go I go behind like I go back and forth by it, but like I'd say like my top Animal Collective songs are Forever in Green. Banshee right. Beat, yeah. uh, In the Flowers, Safer, which is the oh, B yeah. side of Peace Bone. Or, oh, P- yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, the uh, so much safer in the dark song. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Kids on Holiday. Fuck yeah. I had a very different Animal Collective experience from you guys. This is crazy. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, starting, Go ahead. I'm feeling old. I was in high school when they were showing us that shit. I had a lot, I had I had really cool friends in high school in the sense well, I had some very shitty friends just like the rest of us. But some of my friends were really woke to like music shit when I was younger. And I can't take any credit for the shit I love. It all comes from like Jamie Yonda, Sabrina Maloney, Daniel Putman, Drew and Kiefer Waterman, all those guys. They they are the ones who showed me. I remember my friend Sabrina and her sister Nicole, who live in River West. Uh Nicole, that is, um, showing like Animal Collective to me and my mind just being like, you know, because you know, throwing me under the bus, a little experimental back then with drugs at a too early age, one would say, especially in high school. And yeah. I remember jamming it all the time when we'd like burn crews with friends and all my hipster friends were like, I don't get this shit. And then I was like, fuck. <laughs> and then like, I was like confused. Cause I was like, but you guys are like the indie hipsters. Like you guys have big sunglasses and shit. So then I take it back to my other friends, the other guys I hung out with, you know, like the, like the, the fucking metal motherfuckers. 
and they're like, this shit sucks. And I remember it just created such a competitive um, environment for me. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? I just like this music. What's your problem? But then, right. but my friends like Sabrina and Jamie and all those guys, they didn't give a fuck. They were like cool artsy people. Their dads were painters and yeah. well, not, not all their dads and shit. So it's like, it was very interesting. And I remember later when Meriwether Postavillion came out, I was like, dude, we can like see them outside of festivals. Cause we would go to festivals and there'd be people dressed up as sharks dancing. Just like, fucking, I remember. <laughs> that was what they used to, that's what the shows used to be like and um and then i remember uh i went to um the riverside theater and i remember i hated it i was so because i saw that i was I getting i saw that i was getting old and i was like what's happening to me i'm only yeah, in my 20s that was, 20. That was and, such uh, a great show yeah i know but i had a bad experience i've told you about this show but i remember i went to see the opener grouper and the entire awesome. i love yeah, grouper. the entire audience talked the whole fucking time yeah, you go, can't you can't talk during an ambient set, otherwise. But it's... they don't know that. So well, I started. Like, was literally just sitting like this the whole time. So I started to like oh, resent. We took it. In. I started to like get all like, man, fucking people don't listen to music. Fuck this shit. I remember like kind of bailing on the band after that. That's really before problem. like everyone had an iPhone to film it too. Well, yeah. Rupert was mean to me at that show, like personally mean to me at that show. I fucking, but nothing against her because we all have bad days, you know. What did she do to you? Well, keep in context, no what one does Grouper do to you? Yeah, what would Grouper <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to like say if Grouper ever sees this video, it's like we've all had bad shows and I don't think it's fair to say Grouper was mean to me. Like, I don't really give a shit, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like realistically, if I kept my perspective, like she's just having a bad show. Nobody listened to her. Like that would suck to be that open because she's such a great performer. She was touring yeah. the album to drag a dead uh, deer up a hill or whatever the fuck it's called. That's Which like is a, a great record. Ooh, keep to that record if you haven't. Um, but I, I did order that. I got that record off Discogs. I was yeah. trying to buy it at the show, but it sold out. And her merch girl was like, "Oh, bummer." But me and her merch girl were having a good time. So then I come up. I was like, "Fuck this show. Let's leave." And me and Cassidy and his lady, uh, Cassidy is one of my friends from Temple, an old punk band. We have like tattoos and shit. Uh, Temple is the band I used to play with when I moved yeah. from Milwaukee. It's like a post-hardcore band. But um, I was like, fuck this shit. Let's leave. So we left. And I was like, oh, this group, let's go talk to her. And her, her friend who was working the merch was like, this is the guy. Like, no, this is the guy. Like, I could tell. I'm, I'm fucking, I can read people. She was like, this is the guy I told you about, the one who gives a shit about your music. And she was just like, yeah, whatever. And to be fair, I was probably like fucking high out of my mind. I'm like a stupid hipster kid. Just I was just, as George Harrison says, a spotty teenager. You know what I mean? Like when, you know, it's like, I went to, the, I went to San Diego and just a bunch of spotty teenagers. Peace and love is stupid. So I know that I was a spotty teenager. She's like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, this is the worst show ever. And um, <laughs> looking back, I was a complete fucking idiot. And she, she did her shit. She played through that set. She didn't give a fuck what anyone said. So she didn't have to talk to me. I will say getting into... And Co, you know, opened me up to a lot of other like New York experimental bands. So you I also got really into Gang Gang Dance and Black Dice. Oh, Black Dice. Uh, they, they opened them for them a number of times, right? Yeah, they're those guys are, yeah, like they're like Eric Copeland and AV Terror are like good friends. So, like, um, I did yep, get into yep, like. Yep. You get kind of into the rabbit hole of like okay. experimental, like psychedelic music, but um, but I, uh, I wish I wish I would have been able to see them at the Riverside. Um, I know they opened within the Flowers for that show. Um, 
I, I, I pay attention to setlist.fm. So <laughs> that's why. I, 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 always, dude, I always look that up when we're like going to go see a, like a band that's touring. Just like, you okay, what did I play last night? What did I play night before? What are we possibly going to get tonight? Yeah. Hey, I got a question. What was the last concert you guys went to before COVID? It's funny you asked that. Um, because I went to one literally the week right before everything shut down, and it was Wilco at the Sylvie. It was in Madison? Yes. Oh, it's still, that's right. That was the one Charlie was trying to get us to go to. He was there? Oh, yeah, I saw him there. I remember <laughs> talking to him there, actually. I forgot about that, actually. Um, yeah, and like Eno Vera and Connor Lemieux were there, too. Oh, but, um, oh I love those, too. They're my heroes. Shout out, yeah, shout out to those guys. I went but, to high school the high school scene with those guys i love oh them. hell yeah Dude, but, we play each other's basements yeah he has his shit together yeah oh yeah. i love day i love daydream retrievers they're, they're great so man Steve, yeah connor dude even the old band midwestern charm i fucking love that shit yeah um, but th- it was will co for me and i remember jeff tweedy was making jokes about like oh yeah like Cause he was like coughing a little bit, like between his, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I think I got a, a little um cold, not like, the virus though." And yeah. everyone was like laughing, and was, it was when it was still like kind of, yeah, it was when it was, was still kind of like Tom funny. Hanks. And now he's dead. That was before Tom Hanks got it then. Cause once Tom, Tom Hanks got it, it, that was the fucking moment for me, where I knew it was, all over. Yeah, Sean, what was your last show? Shit. Um, I I saw Dr. Dog in uh, Chicago. Of course you would. And it was, like, it was winter. So it was either that or Alex G in Madison um, at the uh, high noon. But those were, like, a long... Those might have been, like, December. Mm. Honestly, I don't know if I've been to a concert in 2020 now. Cause like we had like a bunch of concerts we we're gonna go to in in spring and summer, and you actually you brought up Dan Deacon, and I was gonna go see him at yeah. in I think it was high noon or it was in Madison, but I was gonna go see him April fourth, and that was the first show that got canceled. Oh, that's right. He was uh yeah yeah a couple of my friends were gonna go to that were like trying to get us to go, and I think we just like we're probably gonna go last minute if anything, and then. He just released that new album. So good, man. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. so good. I loved Andy. Yep. I, after hearing that, I was like, I have to revisit Bromst. And that's something I haven't listened to in maybe like, maybe like seven, eight years. Oh, yeah. And I listened to Bromst the other night and it was so, I love that. Yeah. What's that one song? It's like something Safari. It's like seven, eight minutes long. Oh, but. It's off that it's off Bromst, but I have my Spotify here. That's such a fucking great song. Like yeah. um yeah, I that's that like Animal Collective, that's one of those ones where you could scare people with. But yeah. like if you get you dig a little deeper under the surface, you're like, holy shit, this is so good and like yeah. emotional. Surprise Stefani. That, that's that it. That's the one I'm thinking of, yes. Miles, what was a uh, hi hi kitty? Hey kitty. Hey, Kiki. Hi. <laughs> His name is Frank. Hi, Frank. 
Oh, that's funny you mentioned that because you know what my Halloween costume is? Frank Underwood? No. Frank from Blue Velvet? <laughs> That'd be you're not, you're not gonna you're you're actually not gonna think of it, but it's um it's a hot rod. Oh oh Frank, uh is he the stepdad in hot rod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <nice. laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. How? how Never you sneak up on a man who's been in a chemical fire. I relate a lot to that, actually, when he's like, I'm going to do this and kick your ass, Dad. I feel like that's just who I've been secretly my whole life. How, yeah, I mean, how are you going to be him? What you, <laughs> oh, there's a whole cost. There's a whole hot rod, hot rod costume I found on Google. Is it like uh, a globe with an IV or something? Like? No, 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 no. It's the... um. It's actually like jumpsuit that Andy Samberg wears. Yeah, that's oh, a great costume, that man. That movie is a very underrated movie. That is my favorite movie, probably. It's extremely quotable. Yes. yes. Again, uh, in high school, the last senior year, I think we watched that movie 200 times. Like, on repeat. <laughs> on, on, in a, a hood-ass metal house, on a projector, high out of our minds. <laughs> I, I had a negative experience when it comes to high school. I spent too much time doing the wrong thing. My last show was fucking Dave Chappelle but the day before they closed everything. It was oh, fucking wow. wild. Isabel, who was the opener? That lady? Do you remember her name? Ashley Barnhill. Ashley Barnhill opened. Holy shit. If you want to check out an amazing woke-ass comedian, Ashley Barn... Barnhill. Um, and Ash Larry. I don't remember his fucking real name, but Ash Larry came out. And he was like screaming Hootie and the Blowfish. And when I mean screaming, I mean the DJ, because there was a DJ. It was just like Chappelle's show was playing the music as loud as River West or Riverside could play it. And Dave Chappelle did like a two and a half hour set till like one in the morning. And it was some of the fun, he literally was like improvising shit. Oh, God damn. It was one of the funniest events of my life. And then the world ended. I actually think it's my fault the world ended because I saw everything I wanted to see. And like God or the universe or whatever the fuck from Futurama was like, you know what? Let's end it. Miles saw Chappelle. It's worth good ending it. Miles moved to Grafton so we can blow everything up. All right, so. I was the thing holding everything together in this entire music scene. And I, I'm going to move upstairs because my internet's bad. I'm joking. But fucking, also, another story that's no. not mine. But my my guy who works at the Riverside got to hang out with Chappelle's show till like five in the morning that night. And he said he was like so hammered. He's like, March, March 19th or March 3rd, 19th, whatever. March 19th, 2020. As of right now, I'm the greatest comedian alive. <laughs> <laughs> I wish so. I was there though. Not my, not my story. Not my story, that part. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we have to get on track just because, um, <laughs> just for the sake of time. So, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy Boys, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And uh, so, I know you guys because um, I remember the first time I saw Yum Yum Cult was at the River West Public House. Rest in peace. Oh, and, uh, oh yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I know it's a bummer that place is uh, leaving us. But that was about a year and a half ago. And um, I remember like that was still when I was pretty early into the breaking and entering stuff. But uh, I just remember really enjoying your guys' band. Um, I like psychedelic and indie experimental music, obviously. So gravitated towards your sound. And uh, yeah, man, uh, I and then go to find that you guys are in a number of other projects. Um. So, uh, Sean, yes, we will start with you here. I will give you the floor to talk about uh, how music really started, how it like when it first presented itself as a creative outlet for yourself. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like unlike Miles, I grew up uh, without like a really structured music scene that we were a part of, but uh, like played bass and just like, you know, jammed with friends in high school. And after my first year of college, um, I just like, I was like, I want to like write, I just wanted to write songs. And it started because at my parents' house, my dad had gotten Pro Tools. And I was like, holy shit, I have a way to not to not even record. I didn't even have like a loop pedal at that point. I was like, I can layer guitars on top of each other now. And just like got really fascinated with the process of recording. And from that, I was like, okay, just like songwriting just started taking off. And um, yeah, from there, uh, that's kind of like where I just started writing a bunch of songs. And then that's when Antler House started. And we had no idea how to start playing shows. We didn't know anybody in the Milwaukee music scene whatsoever. So we were playing, you know, like open mics and shit. We tried playing an open mic at Caroline's Jazz Bar in the third ward as a bunch of underage white dudes playing like folk rock. And we walked in there and like, it's like everyone like is like, just like playing jazz and jamming and you know, and they're like, Oh my well, like, God. Like, we're like 18 years old, you know? And like, like, okay. They're like, okay, now uh, Antler House is going to play. And like the other dudes are trying to like play along with us and like jam. And after like one song, they literally just gave us the broom and just like, let, let the other guys go back on stage. So we had no idea what we were doing. Um, so we kind of just had to like find out what the hell we were supposed to do. Luckily, Bremen Cafe was kind of like the uh, jumping off point for us. We were like, we were like, we played an open mic there and we're like, oh, okay, people play at bars in River West. Yeah. And from there, just started making connections with other people and, and play more shows. Um, but and yeah. You, like, we played at Yield. Don't, don't forget that part. That was yeah, yeah, Yield. Yield was, yield, rest in peace, Yield. That place was great. Did, Sean, did you That's grow I up in Milwaukee? Yeah, yep. I grew up in uh, sh- my parents from Shorewood. And then uh, once I went to college, moved to River West, moved to Bayview, East Side, East Side. Yeah, just kind of like all over Milwaukee. Yeah. Sure. I like that you just said that like a hip hop artist. You're like, you know, I don't, I don't know, East Side, East Side, you know what's up? Catch me outside. Catch it me was outside. East Side, then River West, then Bayview, then I'm back on the East Side. We're just making the. Uh, making our rounds i could tell your band story there were no new bands in the scene and then these kids showed up and they were fucking awesome and i remember being like fresh blood fucking cool <laughs> this is sick and i remember being like they need a bass player if i ever need a bass every single show we played was like you guys were good but you need a bass player. But I remember being so daunted by the No, you guys were cool. You were really refreshing because you were putting out, you were like three guys attempting to make albums. And anytime a band can like come together and be like, we're making an album, regardless of what you give a shit about. That's that's really like a good starting point. And you guys were always so cool and positive and like, you guys are sick. Animal House is a cool band. I would go to the- With region. a horrible name, but- uh... Fuck you, it's a good name. It's actually kind of <laughs> reminds me of um, that Canadian show like shit like kids in the hall and shit like it reminds me of like i always remember being like i don't know why but i think they're from canada but that's just me i guess well it's yeah it's canadian we we try to be called elk attack but someone in uh case in point 
Miles, what, what, uh, how did music manifest with you and, and become a creative outlet for yourself? Oh man, it's just a great way to meet people, man. Just fucking hang out and fucking just collaborate with your friends. My wife is giving me a disapproving look. How did he give the shortest answer he's ever given on the biggest subject? Like, <laughs> I love fucking. <laughs> okay, the answer is I love Saddle Creek bands when I was in high school, like Jamie Onda and Cassidy, and later John Larkin. Uh, we well, maybe John Larkin doesn't like Saddle Creek as much as us, but that's not, I'm not excluding him. Fucking, uh, I really love Saddle Creek stuff. Connor Oberst, Cursive, and on all of those records, a lot of those bands have friends playing on each other's records, and that was really inspirational. I remember seeing the documentary by Saddle Creek, the first 10 years of Saddle Creek. And they're just like, dude, The Faint put out a record. And I was like, I got to put out a good record. So Bright Eyes puts out a good record. And then The Cursive is like, dude, I like saying The Cursive, by the way. Cursive the- is like, Bright Eyes put out a record. We got to put out a good record. And I love that inspiration of just friends kicking each other's ass, but like on good terms to be like, your record's sick. I love your record. This part's great. This part's great. And then the guy's like, dude, your part's great. Do you want to play on my album? So that's kind of always been the biggest the jumping point for me was to just meet people and have friendships and like, dude, I love playing bass. Can I play on your record? Like, you know, I'm not trying to be like, don't put me on. I just want to hang out in your studio and like have a good time, you know? And, and I feel like that's kind of where I started was just like, you know, meet, meeting friends and trying to like cameo on people's records and stuff. And um, Miles, the, the first time I, uh, we played a show together, I, this was a time where we didn't know anybody in, in the music scene. We didn't know about all this shit. And uh, I just saw Rusty Nickel Band had done some stuff for like, you did like the Journal Sentinel thing where you're in that white room. And I was like, I wonder if this Miles Coin guy will play a show with us at Yield. And I messaged you and you sent something back instantly. You're just like, yeah, it'll just be me, but fuck it. I'll just like jam out and have a good time and run around on stage and break something. And yeah, just, and I was just like, Wow, that was really like yeah, that, that was the break? attitude that you had. did I break something? I don't think so. You told me about solo after the show too. And Big. then that like I because that was right when solo will never appreciate my endorsement. And I think that's one of the funniest bits I'm not gonna go into. But I love solo. They're a great band, and I'm not the first to say that. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. But I did love them at a very early age. It was state. like, it was good. In, it was indie pop. Okay. That's the most basic way to describe it. But like, there was something else. Like when I heard it, I was like, this could be from anywhere in the world. And I'd be into this band. I'm not into them just because I'm like, this is, this is from Milwaukee. Like I was fucking into uneasy. I love that album. Charlie. Well, all the guys, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Solo is the it best. Had, thing Okay. Elevated above what like local music should, or like what we're used to hearing local music. It's like it just elevated, like just it was like one notch above that. Yeah. He sings different on every song. It's so cool. I remember being like, this band could be anybody. And then, and for me, I was like, they're like the Pixies in that sense. Like Frank Black, his voice is very versatile. He has good screams. Mm-hmm. He sings very silly. I always mm-hmm. felt like Jake was like a good combination between Frank Black and Mac DeMarco. They're great. They're great. Oh yeah, dope. Shout out to Solo. They played my birthday show one year. No one saw it, but Sean. Well, a lot of people were there, but they I booked a Miles Coin bitchin' birthday bash because you know I'm fucking big. Was that at the public house or what? Yeah. Where was and uh, and they played um they played uh Sugar Ray with me and they let me sing. And I remember the wax the wax addicts were there and they actually scratched the record along. I will never forget that moment. That was one of my favorite shows ever. And I didn't even play that show. I just sang Sugar Ray every morning. And let me tell you, Sugar Ray is a great band. Good morning when I wake up, there's a halo. 
That's an amazing, that's a good course. Every morning when he wakes up, there's a halo hanging who's up. Our generation's lying about who he is to hook up with chicks. It's a great lyric. Like, who's our generation's Sugar Ray? Because no one's cranking out like beautiful hits like that. Every morning. Well, Sugar Ray is still around. So Sugar Ray is this generation Sugar Ray, but the comedy fingers <laughs> are all closed. So I'm not going to get to see them anytime soon. So how did the conversation of starting Yum Yum Cult occur? I tell this story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Palmer Kyle founded Yum Yum Cult. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But that wouldn't be a claim that I wouldn't say when I was drunk, but that's not what I'm saying at all. No, fucking, I've known Palmer since high school. He's sick. I mean, I've known him a long Shout time. Shout out to Palmer. Shout out to Palmer. Shout out to Palmer Shaw. Our band leader is such a beautiful voice. I really love Palmer Shaw, like, so much. I was actually on his Instagram the other day, and I realized one of his photos was a photo of me and him, and I'm like, God damn. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that man so much. I don't think Palmer realizes. I think Palmer does realize I'm just drunk right now. Um, but I fucking, me and Palmer had never been in a band together, and if I'm just going to tell the story completely on the table, me and Palmer, we, we needed to be in a band together because no one else wanted to be in a band with us. Palmer would never say You guys that. were washed up. Yeah, we were washed up. And I was like, like it's about time we hang out because we were working at the call center together. And I fucking have always... To me, I was I, I was the drummer of this band originally. God damn it. And, uh, but I hurt my arm and I had to give up. That's a different story. And um, I was like, we should just do it, man. We should do it, man. And he's like, who's going to play the bass? And remember when I said, I'm going to steal that motherfucker from Antler House? I was like, we're going to get Sean. And Palmer was like, no, I don't really know. We should find somebody. I'm like, no, fucking Sean is the fucking guy. Palmer, Palmer said he didn't want me. No, that's not what he said. He, he was like, I don't know. Maybe we should try other people. And I'm like, no, Sean is like a good bass player. They don't even have a bass player in their band. We could steal this guy. He's a good guy. Because I had already met you and Bree. And I was like, dude, they're cool. I want them in my life, like as people, like they're good, positive people. Bree is Sean Anderson. Shout, whatever. Out, to Shout out to fucking uh, Sean's life partner, Bree and Chewy. Um, I was like, these are some good. I remember meeting them at Yield at the show Sean brought up. And I was like, these are some good people. I'd be friends with them. And fucking years later, I got the chance to invite each other into each other's life. Palmer was into it. We got to practice these songs. We did it for a year. We took a break. Uh, we came back. I hurt myself. And I was like, I can't play drums anymore, but you should get Charlie in the band. And I'm like, and he's like, I don't know, will Charlie do it? I'm like, I don't know, but Charlie will do anything. And then Charlie was like, this is a good time. I'll stick around. <laughs> and now we have this, and I'm like, I'm not playing drums anymore. Fuck this shit. I'm playing keyboards. And every time we practice, I'm like, that's not the drum part I wrote, but I have to move on. I have to let go because I'm not the drummer anymore. And that's my story. It's a great band though. And Palmer is a great songwriter. It's, and, uh, he is. He, really cool. he writes amazing Amazing lyrics. Yes, that's another thing. The last band I was in, I played drums for was Ladders. And um, I really love Daniel Mitchell. He's another close friend of mine. And I, I only play drums in bands where I believe in the singer. And I believe in Palmer Shaw just as much as I believe in Daniel Mitchell when it comes to writing songs. They're fucking, Dan Palmer's an amazing lyricist. Every now and then we're like mixing our songs and I'm hearing his words for the first time. And I'm like, holy shit, you are like next fucking level. He's just got to write more songs. That's the only yeah. thing. He's yeah. got to. Really we got to. We got to release. We got to release our. Uh... And we will. We have a new single coming out. We're just kind of in the middle of finishing up a few details, and uh, we don't want to. I don't really have any say. I'm like the laziest band member ever, so I have no idea when our album's gonna get released. You're in a robe. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. Was like, what is Yum Yum Cult? Uh, what's in the works? And you said you have a new single out. Tell me about it. Well, it's it's come. It's not quite out. We're we're finishing up some stuff. 
um we released convenience in me that was like forever ago i mean we've been playing for a while as a band the recording process has always just like been been chopped up like the first time we tried to record miles broke his collarbone we had to get a new drummer you know we did awesome and then we recorded half the album somewhere half of it somewhere else and then COVID hits. So we're just kind of like, I guess we are kind of sleeping on it. We're taking our time. We're old men and we're getting old in our thirties and it's hard being in bands, but we're not going to give up at this fucking dream. Okay. We're going to still release this music because even if it takes two years, so you've never heard this shit. Well, you've heard it, but the other people haven't. The people haven't. And the yeah. music really speak for itself once it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Now trying to control my keyboard parts. That's a whole nother story, but I'm just joking. I'm just it's a fragmented process for sure. Yeah. But the songs are there. I mean, we have some stuff we've never played live that I'm so excited about. And, yeah. You know, but I don't know if I don't really like have any say in the band. I just show up and have a good time. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, we, uh, we look forward to it at Breaking and Entering. We're looking forward to the next Yum Yum Cult releases. And uh, I am really excited for you guys' uh, debut album one day. But yeah. As, I do. Maybe it will come before we all have children. I don't know. As uh, Sean and I were speaking on before we started recording, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of it's because everything is so unpredictable right now. Like it's kind of hard to like set your expectations anywhere. So it happens when it happens. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, shout out to Yum Yum Cole, um, Sean. Super Tentacles. Super Tentacles. Where did that name come from? Um, so the name came from uh, my, I don't know why this was it. My Xbox gamer tag in high school was Super Tent. Oh. Super Tent. I don't know why. Um, I like animals and I like names with imagery and just like, I don't know. I like that. And I was just like, when I was trying to think of a name for something to be a solo project, it's like, okay, like, what am I going to, like, I don't want to just make it my name, but I want to make it something that is relevant to me. And then it was just like, holy shit, what if I'm just super tent? Wait, no. And then I changed, okay. And then I changed my gamer tag to super tentacles later on in life. So I was just like, I'm just going to make it my gamer tag. And then I realized that I had been spelling tentacles wrong for the past 10 years of my life. <laughs> so I changed it. So it's correctly spelled. Yeah, man. But yeah, and I just, I love the, uh, the imagery it invokes. I like the idea that one day if um, we ever do play live and collaborate and have other people, it's kind of like broken social scene where it's like, you can just have as many people as you want on stage doing a bunch of other shit, playing a bunch of instruments because I'm not limiting myself to whatever I put into these songs. Like we were talking about um, the one song always forward. And it's just like, that's something I would never write if I had expected to be playing that on stage. Yeah. All this stuff is something that's like, I'm not worrying about recreating this in a live setting at this point. I'm just having fun recording. Totally. Yeah. Tell me about like, yeah, that first, like that. So your, your day, your uh, self-titled record. Uh, yeah. Tell me about like, sort of just like what your vision was for it and like, and for the project itself and yeah. like. It, so it came about, I, I was going to MATC to study um, like audio production and uh or just like audio engineering just just audio in general and that's when like i was just like like we were talking about before like i got into recording and like doing that with the house and 
once I started going to school and learning, you know, how to actually do this properly and mix and produce and all that stuff, it just like took off. I got logic. I got, you know, a setup at home so I could record songs all the time. And it really just came about through a couple semesters at MATC where I was just experimenting and applying the things I'd learned and uh, just trying to like hone my skills with it. And then uh, by the time I graduated, well, I was there for like a year, but by the time I was done there, uh, I just like had, I mean, now I have like probably like 40 or 50 songs unfinished, but by that time I was just like, I have a solid 10 songs here. I could just release as an album and there you go. Awesome. Oh yeah, man. Uh, what are you working on now? I got, I got some stuff. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah, I got, I just today, I was kind of like thinking about order of a second album track order so maybe something in the works but i don't know if i want to just like throw something out there while this pandemic's still going on you know we had we had talked about with me and a couple friends talked about trying to bring it uh to the stage and doing it live so um you know if we're going to keep doing it before i release the second album i kind of want to like know that at least we can take it live eventually and have a plan for it yeah what have you find yourself writing about lately? I always write about the same shit. I, <laughs> I've always wrote about existential dread and anxiety and um, hmm, not liking buildings and wanting to be outside. And this, the same kind yeah, the same kind of dreary shit, which I'm not, I don't find myself that much of a dreary person, but it's the same with Antler House. We're just like, man, everyone just told me like, your lyrics are so sad. Even if I'm like, well, no, it's like, yeah, I'm having fun. It's happy. But I don't know, especially right now with the state of everything. One of the things, especially I'm thinking about a lot is trying to ignore the news, but still being caught up with what's happening, but being able to like take that break, you know, that mental break and just uh, shutting, out, shutting out everything. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel that, definitely. I mean, the yeah. world is changing before our very eyes right now. And like, yeah. you know, everything is so unpredictable. So um, yeah, man, I mean, uh, I do I do look forward to seeing what you do next in Super Tentacles. And uh, Thank you. we'll be looking for that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get some, I need I just need to release some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Once you start sitting on stuff for a long time, then it's, you want to sit on it for longer. You want to <laughs> like, why have I been waiting this long unless I'm going to make it absolutely perfect, you know? And uh, so sometimes you just got to cut the umbilical and, and toss it out there. Yeah, just get it out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, Miles, let's turn it to you. Miles, tell me about Mousecorn and uh, how that project started. Man. I just love Weezer. I just wanted to sound so much like Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck, okay? They're a great band. Um, no, I just had my own band for years. I had the Rusty Nickel Band, which was a collaboration uh, between a lot of people throwing their ideas on top of my... Uh, wasn't that with... Uh, wasn't Kaylee Conway with that? Kaylee was one of the... Kaylee was the singer, or she was the other singer, and we played some of Kaylee's stuff. But then... Um, when that band, it didn't like fizzle out. We just kind of like did our thing and I was going to do something else with it. So Kaylee and the drummer, Tim Stone, were like, let's go do the Lucy Cukes. And I was like, fuck yeah, you guys do that. 
Um, Cause Tim, the drummer, Tim and Kaylee were like friends from high school and also with a uh, Diamato as well there. That's kind of their scene. Um, and I remember, uh, yeah, Kaylee was in the band. She's got us one of her songs is on the Rusty Nickel album as um, the Rusty Nickel version of the band. And I should have never done that because I can't tell you how many times people are like, I love that one song where the girl sings. And I'm like, God damn it. But also I really love that song on the album because it fits contextually in what I was trying to do to the themes actually. For me, it was like the song about, which is on that record is kind of about like somebody kind of like a woman's perspective on this other guy. And I took it out of context and put it into my concept record. And I'm always really proud I did that because I love that shit. But yeah, Kaylee was in the band. She was a fucking amazing woman. It was cool to like work with her. She's she's very Joni Mitchell-esque, even when she approaches work. She never does, she doesn't fuck around. But she was like a singer and stuff. And and, and there's another Rusty Nickel EP that comes after that's just called Miles Coin that all those guys are on. And just after that first album, it became more of a recording project because I was like, well, I wanted to do the first record to be like what we sound like live. Okay, we played a bunch of shows and the scene's evolving. And at the time when that record came out, we were like on top of that shit. Like we were, we were able to like get everyone to come to our shows and shit until everybody got sick of me, rightfully so. And then, um, and then later I was like, well, I'm gonna do my own thing because they're doing their own thing. And the rest of Nichols is just like a bunch of my friends feeling emotional or not giving a shit about the band. I'm like, well, this just ended it. It was cool, you know. And I always want to do a reunion show though. I can't wait to do one someday to ourselves. But Mouse Coin was like the next step because I was still making music. Um. Before Mousecorn, I was actually, oh, no, I won't tell that story. Before Mousecorn, I was making a different album, actually, that I was very excited about. But I didn't really get past the demo stage. And I feel like it was because I hit like this weird bump in my life. And I didn't burn bridges or anything, but I feel like I let opportunities slip out of my hand. And I, um, the people who would listen to this will know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, I let really good opportunities slip out of my hand, but then I refocused and I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I want to play music for fun. A lot of people in my life, a lot of people in my life, but mostly myself, thought music was a competition after a point. And I needed to take a break and say, why do I value music? Am I doing this because, you know, the, the Milwaukee music scene is great, but it was also a very weird, crazy experimental time for most people in their early 20s, mid 20s, early 30s. And I got lost in that. So I needed to take a break. And, and Mouse Corn was me coming back to those values of saying, I want to have fun. I don't want to take a long time to set up. It should, all we need is our amps to sound good. And I want to be able to sing the way I want to sing, even if they can't fucking hear me, fuck them. And like, that was kind of the thing. The idea of mouse corn was a return to fun and just having a good time. For example, a lot of those songs, you don't really have to practice because the drummer like played to a click track. So we would just show up to shows and just have fun. Uh, Steve Voras, the drummer of um, I'm Not a Pilot, other great bands in town, amazing person. And we're still a band, but I just kind of didn't do anything for a while. I've been focusing on Yamim Cult and, uh, and uh, Vince Clortho. But the idea was, even if we weren't able to practice, we should be able to just show up and have a good time. So I made sure, like, even though I wrote simple chord songs, it was more about the guitar tone and, like, being able to just fall over and still play the song. <laughs> not that I'm, like, drunk or anything in the time I'm playing shows. I'm drunk right now. I'm not doing the show. I could never play drunk. I, I would never play drunk because I would just fuck up that show entirely. Um, but yeah, the idea was to return to fun. For me, it was no one else that did that but myself in my head, you know, and, and it worked really well. It was a very therapeutic band and still is once we return. But everybody's been kind of jumping on writing um, in the moment political songs. And I'm, I'm behind that, but I don't know until I'm ready. I'm I, don't say, I don't say something until I'm ready. 
and I'm also very lazy. So it's a balance between those two things. Um, but mouse corn is still around. I text Steve all the time. Um, but yeah, the idea was like, let's just have fun, man. It doesn't have to be complex. And let's just like the second EP we did, which, which we later made the first half of a full length. We did two EPs that I made a full length. Cause I was like, well, we always try to make these full length albums as local bands that nobody gives a shit. Why don't I just take my time and just do four of them now and then release those and then do four and release. That's what Radiohead would do or some shit. So um, Mouse Corn is on Spotify as both EPs as the full length. I'm very proud of that EP. Good stuff. Um, the idea also was to like do it as fast as possible. And Steve being really talented at drums saved a lot of money. Like when it comes to recording studio shit. I mean, motherfucker did that shit in two takes. Seriously, if you ever get a chance to listen, I mean, it's not like he's doing hard drum parts, but he's just like, cool, you can go home. I don't want to go home. I want to have fun, hang out with you. Really? <laughs> That's what this band's about. Let's just do the guitar parts, you know? And, and um, I record all, I always record mouse corn stuff with uh, Shane Hotch Stetchler, if I'm saying that name right. Hotch uh, Stetler. Shane is. Shout out to Shane. Love Shane. Shane is one of my uh, role models and also one of my, um, I don't even have to say, it. I don't say father figure. What's He's like a good uncle who just tells you real shit. You know, <laughs> he's just like, that sucks and you need to fix your guitar. And you know, I just always appreciated that, you know. And, and uh, yeah, Miles Coins. Uh, later, Alex Klosterman joined as the lead guitar player. Alex Klosterman from Conundrum. His Shout own, out. He's got his own country band. Uh, he's played Animals in Attire. He's... His country album is really cool, though. He made his own country album that you should check out. Uh, it's fucking wild. And yeah, and with, but I can't really control him at all. I can't really make him do stuff. But I kind of like that I have this lead guitar player who just like, fuck you, dude. I feel like that's kind of good. That's part of the fun time. Hell yeah. Where, where did the name Mouse Corn come from? Al Alexander Kramer. Do you know Alexander Kramer? He's the... Um. He's a bartender, you know. Al. Al, Al Kramer from Astral Of course Hannah. I know. I, I had Al on the show a couple weeks ago. Al is a very good friend of mine. I'm in Moon Rats with him as a bass player. Most people don't really know that. Or well, yeah, by so, the way, funny you sit, because right before you joined, I was talking to Sean about how Moon Rats has a whole record of music that's still waiting to be released. Yes, I was just talking about that with Al the other day. And it's going to be, the Lone Star album is going to change the world, but that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> thing, uh, I love that I'm in a band called Mouse Corn and also in a band called Moon Rats. It just makes me feel more like Andy from Parks and Rec more and more every day. I also what's the what's that band name in that? Uh, rat? What is it? Isn't it um, Mouse Rat? It's Mouse Rat. That's the same. Mouse rat. Yeah. And that was not intentional. So I just feel like a big idiot. <laughs> Al Kramer was just like. You know, Al Kramer, if you've hung out with him for five minutes, he has a very funny sense of humor where it attaches to whatever you're saying. You know, like if you're, if Al, if Al or any of those guys, Al's friends, Victor Buell, for example, any of those guys, they will grab what you're saying and they will include you in the joke and they'll fuck up your sense of humor. And that's very funny. It's almost like they put you in a martini glass. Here's your joke. So I was saying Miles Coin. I remember one time Al was like, Miles Coin, Miles Coin. That's the name of my band. That's the ugliest thing I've ever heard. I love that. So Mouse Corn is Miles Coin said very quickly. Mouse Corn. And I changed it because uh, no one likes Miles Coin in River West. So I was like, well, fuck you. I'm Mouse Corn. Mouse Corn. Miles Corn. Mouse Corn. The, the Prince Mouse of here. <laughs> Man. Interesting. Um, that is interesting. So uh, 
do you guys have, have new fun. do you, do you guys have new material in the works i have lyrical material but i'm about ready to i mean we sort of do i have a kind of well, so you're coming over on friday right you're coming over on friday and we'll uh... me and sean are beginning to work on something which i probably would write later use mouse corn i'm i'm sort of in a weird uh phase where mouse corner will become the next version of what it's supposed to be right now and all the players are still available um right now i'm mainly focusing on um well first off we can't get back together because of the virus <laughs> but i've been talking to all the guys and i've been talking to other people who are different musicians to kind of get something else together and i just want to play some fun songs like i honestly when the world gets back together i want to play a cover set of some of the best songs in the fucking world because fuck our music let's just get people happy you know and yeah. speaking uh, of which speaking of the transition to into adulthood then well i mean once we do the covers then we'll realize okay well we have these people in the old band together these are the styles we want to go to we did some fleetwood mac we did some childish gambino how can we be that band you know like speaking of which miles do you do you say you play with Vince clovo I do. I'm the keyboard player. I'm more in the pocket in that band. I don't really make decisions. My friend, uh, the cover of If It Makes You Happy is one of Alan and I's favorite songs of the year. Dude, all Vic, man. You got to text Vic. That's all Vic. I will say, though, I covered that song two years before he did, but I really like Vic's version. He does this. I'm such a piece of shit, Ben. I'm, you know, I just say shit on the fly. All my friends know that I'm just being rude. I did cover that before him, but I'm not the original person to cover Cheryl Crow. I technically ripped off Ian Alvera. So I mean, hey, like, once again, once again, shout out to Ian. Yeah, uh, you know, Ian is literally the trendsetter of everything. Maybe in my life. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, dude. But that that EP, the Vince Clotho EP, is uh, one of our favorite releases we've uh, published on Breaking and Entering this year. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, you bet. I mean, and uh, I say that I, I know I'm partial to psychedelic desert rock and whatever but at the same time i'm also like no this is like a really creative take on a hit pop song that you know proves that like you know we like renditions can be done in a complete stylistic um twists mm. in a way that makes sense and it definitely makes sense as like you know a, a mid tempo, yes, psych rock song. And uh, I'm really, I'm really, loved it. I was very impressed when Victor showed me that recording. Because of the virus, I didn't get a chance to be on that song, but I don't really give a shit. I was, I'm always impressed with Victor Buell's production. Yeah, shout out to Vic. Shout Dude, out to Vic. he's fucking amazing. He also plays some guitar and some Rusty Nickel shit. Uh, the track Moon, for example, all that jazz guitar you hear in that. If you ever get a chance to listen to my song Moon, still friends, Victor Buell fucking slams on that song oh yeah no seriously he does some crazy guitar work on that song some of his best but yeah victor buell is really good with uh picking his covers and he he really controls the fun aesthetic of vince cortho and he doesn't control it but he's got a very good i really love david lynch so i really like i can trust victor buell with that same mindset of going down that avenue chris isaac is a big influence on vince cortho um it's really cool being in that band a lot of great guys Uh, what's your isn't that band? Adam and Chuck? Those guys are sick. Fucking, I I love being in that band. Seriously, we've done a few practices doing the virus stuff. I'm not gonna lie. That's okay. That's okay. Um, uh, what's your favorite David Lynch movie? Uh oh. You just watched. Uh... No, shut the fuck up. I'll tell you. Wait, what? What are you gonna say, Sean? 
you just watched um wait that wasn't david lynch never mind i was thinking of i don't uh, think i have a favorite one because depending i mean i think as an important film to the american world mulholland drive would probably be his best film it's the most um it's honestly, he's talking about the Harvey Weinstein side of Hollywood years before people addressed it. That's why in interviews when they're like, David Lynch, can you tell us about Harvey? Can you tell us how you feel about Harvey Weinstein? He's like, no, watch Mulholland Drive. That blue box in Mulholland Drive represents the secret of women having to sell themselves to get roles. It's talking about the underbelly of Hollywood. About, mm. you know, it's bullshit, you know? And he's talking about that in that movie fucking like years before the fucking Me Too movement. And it's a very woke movie. It's a horrifying movie. I love that his movies are also, I could be completely wrong, by the way. I mean, like his movies are so open to interpretation. I love his surrealist film. I mean, yeah. they're all fucking good. If I was really going to go down, I would honestly say season three of Twin Peaks is his fucking master opus, honestly. Every fucking episode. I, so don't hate me. The Lost Highway is a mind fuck. Lost Highway yeah. is a very close to Honestly, Lost Highway feels plotless. You know, but not in a bad way. What are you talking about? Plotless. No, it's Lost Highway. So, man, I, like I said, not in a bad way, though. I mean, it's still, like you said, a surrealist nightmare. Well, they're continuing but, themes. They're, they're, it's the same concept throughout all these well, movies. I'm going to have to go with Wild and Heart. Oh, yes. Yes. I just saw that for the first time in the theater. I invited my friend Jack Tell, and he walked in. Yeah. He's like, "What the fuck are we oh, watching?" Shout out to Jack Tell. Like, um, I he yeah. walked in the theater. He's like, "What the fuck are we watching?" And how did you find out this was happening? I'm like, dude, Wild at Heart. Let's go. We watched yeah. it. It was so sick. Sean, what about you? Are you a David Lynch fan, like Miles is here? Uh, I'm not. I'm not as big as my. No, not as big as Miles. Uh, I'll I'll shout out to a creepy thing I saw on YouTube once that he did, and it was like the abcs do you have, you have you ever seen this video yes it's a short film he made that's how he was able to get funding from the college to make it was this it's so horrifying look up david lynch the abcs or it's the alphabet or whatever that's a short but, film he made like when he was like in his 20s bro it's still i don't know, I don't know why that stuck to me i mean what's okay um blue Here velvet blue velvet what i haven't seen that many david lynch films because to be honest to I like Twin Peaks. I never awesome. finished it though. Oh, I know, Sean. Yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't watched, I haven't watched the third season. I still have to watch the third yeah. season. Yep. But Miles, yeah. I know you're gonna face calm me. No, but, it's okay. I'm not judging. I, I'm excited I, for you because you get to watch it for the first time. Miles, if you ever watch season three of Twin Peaks, you have to watch Firewalk with me and Twin Peaks the missing pieces before. And if you don't watch the missing pieces, at least watch the alternate takes of David Bowie scenes. Otherwise, season three won't make fucking what? sense. David Bowie's in it. When yeah, David Bowie's one of the most important characters in Twin Peaks. You motherfucker! If you watched it, you would learn some shit. <laughs> so Miles, I actually, Miles, I have a, a little uh, Easter egg for you. Yeah. Um, well, so we were talking about Animal Collective earlier. Um, so I saw Avi Tear solo um, in St. Paul, Minneapolis, uh, a year and a half ago. And I know the Animal Collective guys are big David Lynch fans. So I asked A.V. after the show what his favorite David Lynch movie was. And he said Inland Empire. Yep, that's crazy movie. But he also said that he told me to watch the short film. Like it's called like The Grandmother or like Grandma or something like that. It's like from like 1970. It 
like one of his early things, but it's a another short film of his. I think that's the one where like a girl goes through like a puddle. That's all I can remember. They're crazy. England Empire is a crazy movie because that's when he made all in digital cameras and cell phones, and it's like four hours long, and it's fucking wild. Also, all these movies we're talking about, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, England Empire, are key to Twin Peaks season three. I don't think season three will be, season three is a very enjoyable experience, but if you are very versed with David Lynch's work, you'll realize it's a accumulation of all of his films and it's a mind fuck. And honestly, I can't wait for season four to come out because there will be a season four. I don't need to tell you why. I don't know when there will be. He never stopped filming season three. He's filming it even right now. I'm telling you, do you watch his weather reports? No, I haven't. David Lynch does the weather every day on YouTube. Damn, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I... he used to, dude, it's fucking funny. And he's been fucking saying some crazy shit uh, leading up to Twin, the new Twin Peaks. I guarantee it's, he was like, oh, I, I don't even know how to go into it because if I don't have the clues in front of me, I can't recite this shit. But he's been, mad, he's been flashing some mad surrealist clues that there's going to be more Twin Peaks soon. So you can count on oh, that. Yeah. Miles, Looking right? forward to it. Hey, I'm back. Oh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, uh, y'all are, we need to hang out. I need to hang out with you guys. Yes, I love you, Ben. I respect you so much. I would love, love you too, Miles. I love you too, Sean. I want to know more about you outside of the music scene. I want to know about where you came from. I'm from, the, I'm from the South suburbs of Chicago. Okay. <laughs> hey, are you a Bears fan? Um, I don't like, I'm not a big sports guy, but yes, by household, yes. <laughs> Um, uh, and White Sox, not Cubs. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, guys, I uh, look forward to new things all around with uh, your guys' music projects. You know, look forward to more Yum Yum Cult, more Super Tentacles, more Mouse Corn, more, uh, you know, Dude, I'm, shows I'm, in I'm general. Look forward to music in general in life after this. Yes. I can't wait for Trump to fucking lose. Stick yeah. Oh, have we avoided that topic entirely? We have. And I can't wait for him to be in prison one day. I, it's going to happen. Because he's a fucking mass murderer. Like, indirectly, he's a mass murderer. Because I can't wait for all the other ex-presidents who should have went to prison to talk shit. I can't wait for all the other ex-presidents who should have went to prison to talk shit about it, too. That's going to be really funny. It's already, it's already yeah. Dan, he's denounced yeah. everybody. Ezra Colson out here. Uh, what what keeps you up at night, Miles? Oh, shit. So I, look, I look forward to blue skies and golden sunshines. But what keeps you up? At night? The fear of dying? <laughs> yeah, well, that when you watch a bunch of Lynch, that doesn't really help your cause. I don't need him to make me scared of dying. We're all fucking thinking of that. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I mean, just entering the dream realm is terrifying. I, I started keeping a dream journal this year because... Scariest dream, Ben. What's the scariest dream you've had this year? That's funny. Um, uh, because I still think about this constantly. I, got, I had a dream a couple months ago where... Uh, I was, I found myself in like a, a it, it, it was like an asylum. It was like a, like a hospital. And uh, everyone who was in the, in the hospital around me was like, they, they, they couldn't speak. They were either mute or they only could speak in gibberish. And I was the only one that could like actually speak in like full words. But then over time, like, I thought that like, 
I would be just, I was like, I don't belong here. Like I need to get out of here. But then like, I couldn't find a way out. So over time, I eventually lost the ability to speak myself. (laughs) And I found myself one of them and uh, thus belonged in there. And uh, wasn't a, yeah, like I I lost the ability to like speak in full words and shit. I woke up and I, that was a profound, uh, you're like, I, I can talk all, and then you're, then you're, happy. then you end up sounding like the dream sequences in Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. so they, uh, they learned oh, how to the dream. Wait till you see season three, Wait. man. We live inside a dream. Yeah. We live inside a dream, to quote David Bowie from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Sean, what keeps you up at night? Um, I, I'm worried about how well the live action remake of Avatar The Last Airbender is going to be on Netflix because the original show owners left the production of it and hmm. it'd be another M. Night Shyamalan shit show. First off, fuck yourself. M. Night Shyamalan didn't make that shitty movie shitty. It was the producers. You know how they made Star Wars shitty? It wasn't those directors' faults. It was the fucking organization. Don't blame M. Night Shyamalan for that horse shit. That's really unfair. It's really unfair to blame M. Night Shyamalan. It was an awful movie, movie, though. Yeah, but that's not M. Night's fault. He didn't get to control that movie. He didn't didn't have final cut, just like Dune. (laughs) Just like with David Lynch on Dune. He didn't have final cut. Respect the process. Miles, how was was the happening? I know you just watched it. It's one of the best shittiest movies ever. Uh, (laughs) With Mark Wahlberg? Dude, there are so many good lines from Mark Wahlberg. He's like... What are you, this is one part where they're trapped in this old lady's house. He's like, what are you going to do? Murder me in my sleep? And he goes, what? No. It's like yeah. not, not reassuring whatsoever. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Miles. There's one part where Zoe Deschanel's like, just when you think any other evil can be created in the world. It's honestly like it's one of the most quotable pieces of shits ever. I love it. Oh, amazing. Man, do you, are you guys fans of The Room? Oh, dude. I, got, oh, I should show you. It's in the basement. And I just came up from there. I have a signed football from Tommy Wiseau to my cat, Harry. Oh, that's amazing. Did you see him uh, live at uh, the Oriental like a year and a half ago? Uh, yep. And then again, a few, like a few years before that. Yeah. I dressed, up as him, I dressed up as him for Halloween two years ago. Actually, I watched uh, the compilations of his laughter in that movie. Um, on YouTube whenever I'm like sad. Wait, I have to look that up because (laughs) literally just look up the room Tommy laughter. (laughs) Uh It's like it's just not here. I did not. I did not. (laughs) I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) My favorite, my favorite Tommy Wassa line isn't even a Tommy Wassa line. It's James Franco in the middle of a video game interview where they're making him read lines from video games as Tommy Wassa. That's a great video, by the way. And he reads the line from Metal Gear. He's like, Snake, do you believe love can bloom on the battlefield? And I feel like it's the most Tommy Wassa thing I've ever fucking heard. Snake, do you believe love can bloom on the battlefield? Don't touch me, motherfucker. Get out. (laughs) Um, Miles, uh, what puts you to sleep? My wife having sex. THC. Shout out to sex. Shout out the wife. Sean, what puts you to sleep? Um, reading. I'm I'm an old man. Good answer. 
I'm a simple man and I read about a half a page of Dune every night and then I'm asleep. Very good. I'm proud of you. Nice job. Should have read it sooner. It only took a goddamn movie trailer to get you to do it. Well, and now it's not, I was going to read it so that I could be all caught up by December. Dude, and now you're never going to. And now I'm just going to have to watch the David Lynch version instead. No! Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really good. I actually really I, like it. I've never seen it because I heard it's awful. And I didn't read the book. He didn't yeah, have Final Cut. So you got that's the one. It. That's the one Lynch movie I haven't seen. But. There are a lot of missteps, but it's not David's fault. It's not David's fault. You really like defending directors and shitty movies. You know, before we lock this up, let's go down movie lane with Miles real fast. Well, I've been no. like, I really like Antichrist. Have you ever checked out this movie? I hate, I hate that movie. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Miles. Oh, yeah, dude. Miles, it's a that's a terrible movie. Miles, it's a really bad movie. I'm sorry, but I what love. What the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, I love Melancholia, but Lars von Trier it's tried to be mind. way too fucking art house with that one. Yeah, dude. The lady cuts her clit off, and I see it. It's crazy. Also, what else do we got? One, I, of, my yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. It's like Candy. That is a good one. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a good one. My mom that bought me for this Christmas good. not knowing that I want that I wanted it. And I was like, let's watch it. And I think we still argue about this. And she's like, that's not fucking art. I'm like, fuck you. Dude, seeing that in the theaters was so like uncomfortable. And that scene where she got like dosed and oh my god. Have you seen his other movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow? That's a fucked up movie. Oh no, fuck. I haven't. If you I haven't, haven't. It, it's on YouTube, so you can watch it for free. Oh, uh, shit. Okay, I'll watch it. last 20 minutes of this movie are fucking so Mandy. It's totally worthwhile. It's like Space Odyssey meets Mandy. I'm going to wrap this up. Don't worry. I'm not going to keep you for too long. I'm trying to make sure. Well, how many more movies? You got, I know you got more movies than three. Oh, fucking one of my favorite movies of all time, Down by Law, Jim Jarmus. Anyone? Have you seen this, Ben? I haven't, no. What the fuck? Tom Waits stars in this movie. This is an incredible okay. movie. Down by Law by Jim Jarmus. You can get Criterion Channel probably for free right now. That's a fucking incredible movie. There you go. Um, and nice. probably, I don't um. What? Shrek. I'm gonna Shrek. do two more. Shrek. <laughs> Love Shrek. Shrek. Fred, One of the best guys? Christmas movies ever. Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, that's a classic. Love okay. Eyes Wide Shut. Christmas fucking movie? wild. I just found out that the naked lady in the cult is Kate Blanchett. Did you realize that? But oh, it was it was, Gal- it was Gal- Galadriel. Yeah. Okay. Why is this a Christmas movie? Because my wife is asking me, how is it a Christmas? Isabel. Christmas, but because one of the metaphors in the movie is Christmas lights. Whenever you see white Christmas lights, it's leading to the Illuminati, for lack of better terms. Whenever you see normal Christmas lights, it's supposed to be about like the idea of material and Christmas. Are you crouching on the ground? I showed Isabel on on Valentine's. I am on the goddamn ground. I'm in my lap. But the thing is, Christmas lights in this movie represent Christmas. And later in the wor- in the movie, when he's open to the fact that he's not a big rich doctor, he's actually living in a world full of like sex slavery. He realizes Christmas is bullshit, just like the rest of society. It's fucking awesome. So it's a Christmas movie. I'm fucking. Yeah, I mean, right, pick one. Up. Pick one more, Miles. Pick okay. one more. I'm make it count. One I'm more thinking. movie. <laughs> Better be a good one. Yeah. Fuck you. Give me a second. Do. You- Oh, Isabel gets to pick one after me. I can we, how about just Isabel's pick? Fuck you. I think we should go to bed. Isabel thinks she's, I'm gonna end on a good note. I'm gonna end on Old Joy. I think this is a really positive movie that anyone we've been talking about musicians. It's a good movie about friends reconnecting and going on a road trip. 
it's it, nice. no, it's not sad. And um, it's I haven't still, seen that one. I'll this is it's an too. eighty. It's an eighty. It's about seventy three minutes. It says it's a very short movie. It's about two friends. One of them is you know they used to be in a band together. One of them has a baby on the way. His other one hasn't found a place to live. His wife doesn't approve. But it they go like, off. Sounds they, like a band. What? Yeah. Okay, that's true. It does. It's where we are in our lives. But they go on a road trip and they go to like a water spring and they just kind of hang out as friends. But who is the homeless guy? That's the actual question, Sean. Which one of us is the homeless guy? Owen Wilson. All this right. is a really good movie. It's very calm, especially for people who are stuck inside their house and miss going outside. I really could not suggest this movie more. Old Joy, I'll give you a hint, is the metaphor of their friendship. They're remembering an old joy being young together. This is a very popular right. This is a I get one movie. I, I get one movie. Wait, 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 wait. Isabel has a no. What was that? There's a quote from the movie that's the beginning of a Y song. Yes, the sample from Alopecia. Mmm, I feel pretty good right now. If you've ever right. listened to Alopecia by Y. I get one movie and then we're done. All right, Sean. Love the brave little toaster. Brave little toaster. All right. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> we will see you next time. Sean, fuck you. You're trying to make me look pretentious.